It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at ClipItTV. You're listening to BGN Radio. There is a timeout on the field with the score. Listen to this. We are not drunk. <laughs> this is accurate. The Eagles 34, the Cowboys 3. Oh, what's going on, the Rich Kid Richer Nation? What is happening in Philadelphia? What's going on, everybody? John Barchard here with you. We're going to make this episode number 304, and it's uh, pretty amazing that we can take one podcast as we're all going in there talking about Nick Foles, talking about, uh, you know, what is this Eagles team going to do? And the biggest surprise of all happens while most of us on the East Coast are enjoying a nice snow day while, you know, we're all just watching the Bachelorette reruns while we're watching Netflix. All of a sudden, Howie Roseman knocks on the Seattle Seahawks door, which looks like the window is officially closed. So a moment of silence. Rest in peace. Uh, for the Seattle Seahawks 2012 to 2017 because there's a lot of different stuff that is happening. And Michael Bennett uh, comes through and is now a part of a pass rush where uh, I I believe, if my math is off here, you had five and a half from Fletcher Cox. You had five from Chris Long, uh, uh, five from Derek Barnett, uh, eight and a half uh, or so from uh, from Brandon Graham, and now you're adding another eight and a half with with Michael Bennett. It's pretty pretty insane day. Uh, the Eagles are still not boring in the offseason despite winning the Super Bowl. So if you weren't awake for this now, uh, you certainly are now too. Uh, we are just uh, reacting to kind of everything that's going on here. Again, if you're just joining us on Facebook Live, welcome in. And uh, yes, Avengers Assemble uh, for sure, as this was uh, this was a bit of a surprise heading into today. And we're going to try and ask now a couple other questions of basically what happens next. Uh, if you are listening to us on the replay, whether you are on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, like we said, Yesterday, we get to a thousand reviews on that bed, boy. We are throwing a pizza party uh, in here for everybody. So uh, let's start with what this does for the Eagles itself. One, 
My God, if everything stays together, which we'll get into uh, in a little bit, we don't know what's going to happen with Vinnie Curry, and maybe, maybe I'll let you in on a little insight now about what's going on with Brandon Graham as well. We'll get to that in a second. If this kind of stays together as it is in Howie Roseman during the Combine when he was in the middle with uh, Philadelphia's media, certainly said he wants to keep investing in this defensive line, and I think if it stays how it is, there is going to be a massive amount of sacks coming in this season. Can you imagine a NASCAR package? And for those that don't know what the NASCAR package is, it's when Brandon Graham slides in and plays D-tackle and Chris Long or Derek Barnett is usually right next to him. Michael Bennett is known for doing that. And it's one of his best assets as a pass rusher is moving into him to that three technique sometimes and then all of a sudden just collapsing and crushing people's souls. You saw that a lot in Seattle, and I, I know he's 32 years old, and we're going to have to kind of just look at what's going to happen now uh, with, uh, one, his contract. He's 32 years old. Uh, his base salary is just under $1.5 million. It just depends if the Seahawks or the Eagles are picking up that roster bonus that is in his contract. So that'll play a heavy factor in whether or not this D-line can actually stay together. But um, I, I do expect if it doesn't, then they're going to probably have some sort of restructuring to try and lower that cap number down. Uh, and maybe it stays under one5 and it really doesn't matter that much uh, towards what uh, Howie is is really good at. Uh, another, another thing that I know is there was a... Uh, maybe not a direct Joe Douglas uh, connection here, but there are certainly if, uh, are a lot of different footnotes with Michael Bennett, and it makes a lot of sense to bring this in here. When, when you expected the Eagles just to say, hey, we're on to the next one and we aren't done yet, this is what they were talking about. I mean, it, when, when I yell out the rich is getting richer, uh, that is something that I've wanted to experience as an Eagles fan for my entire life. I was so tired of Ozzy does it again. And, and especially now, after all of this, the debating on whether Howie Roseman is or is not a football guy. I mean, that year off with Chip Kelly really has paid a lot of dividends here. They essentially give up Matt Tobin, which they traded last year, and Marcus Johnson, who, by the way, I know we're all excited about that. Marcus Johnson has a bright future in this league. So uh, if any Seattle fans are listening to this uh, by any means, then uh, Marcus Johnson, to me, is uh, ha- has, has that potential at least high upside wide receiver to maybe 1A type of wide receiver guy. He's got the build, the body. Certainly he's gone through a couple of injuries over the last couple of training camps, but has the ability to be really good there. I think it'll be a good target for Russell Wilson. Aside from all of that, this is a steal. I think Jimmy Kemsky even pointed this out. They they trade Matt Tobin and Marcus Johnson uh, for what it ha- now becomes uh, – uh, Michael Bennett. I mean, it's a, it's a swap of uh, fifth and sevenths this year. Which again, when we're talking about that, you are you're looking for where are the assets uh, going to come from because they still need them. Uh, but that is just a, an, another move where I think maybe for another year or two, having Michael Bennett here, or at least having these guys together for at least a year and figuring it out afterwards is exactly what you need to go into a Super Bowl run. And you pair that up with everything else that we've heard rumor-wise about Patrick Robinson possibly wanting to stay here and get extended, and both parties are interested in that. Uh, That definitely helps this situation. And now when we're starting to... Kind of, and, and I think we all noticed it too during the Rams game. And I, I hate to bring that up because that's when our baby boy went down, but that's when you kind of just see uh, the break in the action a little bit there too. 
uh, with with this defense. I mean, obviously, it's it, it gets tired at the end of the year, uh, and surprisingly enough, Derek Barnett still held up really, really well despite being a rookie, and you usually hit that rookie wall because you're so used to the college football schedule. But, I mean, this is a team that, for a lot of guys who are rookies, went directly to the Super Bowl. They're not used to playing that many games at all. So if you add a guy like... Uh, Bennett in here to kind of counteract a lot of that stuff. Now it's even fresher and fresher legs. Even going into the Super Bowl, Fletcher Cox and and the rest of that defensive tackle line, even you know uh, Bo Allen rotation, I should say, still had a lot of fresh legs heading into it. Uh, and this is just signaling that they want to continue with that, and it especially helps out Jim Schwartz with what he wants to do. With Sidney Jones hopefully coming in, and I even said this yesterday, Sidney Jones to me, if you're a Sixers fan, is like the same feeling I have on waiting for Ben Simmons to finally take the field. I mean, this kid really is special, and I don't want to put a lot of pressure on him, uh, but Still, he's a first-round talent selected in the second round. We all kind of know his story. The moment he steps on the field, I, I think he becomes, you know, within the first five to six weeks of next season, one of the best on the team, if not the best on the team. So if you pair him up with whatever is going to shake out, Darby, Mills, uh, maybe that ends up being somebody that we're, we're not thinking of. Hey, maybe it's Richard Sherman. I don't know. The way, the way that Seattle's kind of going here, uh, even though people will uh, – We'll kind of freak out about that too, but um, this is now where the secondary and the pass rush, uh, where I thought it was going to come last season, where it's just that not even extra half a second, 0.25 seconds, where it's going to hold their coverage a little better. You know, uh, I, I still think the uh, the middle linebacking core is, and, and the linebacking core in general is still kind of like a a big keystone uh, to improving what happens, uh, you know, so you don't have a track meet like you did in the Super Bowl and for the last couple of weeks of the season where you're just trying to catch your breath and do a lot of things. You know, like an, an LRB, a Najee Good, is not going to help you uh, create uh, good matchups in the middle of uh, of the field there. And you ask Malcolm Jenkins to do so much as a linebacker and as a safety and as a corner, and and you're doing all that. So I'll I'll just reinforce what I'm thinking uh, and Jack Fritz was thinking yesterday on the pod on 303. I believe that there is still an opportunity here, uh, and maybe this is a little far-fetched, but I think trading Rodney McLeod and moving Jalen Mills to safety, although it does sound very maddenish, uh, Jalen Mills has played safety a lot, especially in college, um, and a lot of guys have started at corner and moved to safety, much like Malcolm Jenkins has. Not saying it's the most ideal situation, but if, if you're talking about now cap room, uh, which, again, uh, with McLeod, it only saves you about $1.2 million, but then that gives you more optionality to face that because Rodney's always the one shell that plays you know, back, and they, and they had Malcolm Jenkins in coverage. If you have Jalen Mills and Malcolm Jenkins in coverage now with the ability to come in and drop down wherever you need to go, uh, you know, and, and you can disguise a lot of different things and adding Michael Bennett to that only disrupts the timing and where they're exactly going because maybe you have Malcolm drop down into the slot and then the next thing you know, uh, here comes Jalen Mills to shoot down and he becomes the one shell in back or maybe they both back off. You know, there's, there's a lot of different things that can happen there. Plus, if you have any injuries to that corner position, let's just, you know, knocking on wood there. I, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want anything to happen to Sidney Jones or Darby or whoever is uh, going to be there, but now you can put Jalen Mills in a corner slot. Again, that versatility that I think everybody looks for and for a bargain too, uh, and that's what Jalen Mills is at this point. Plus, maybe that extends Michael Bennett's shelf life for a little bit because I think he's owed about $7.5 million heading into 2019. So if, if he 
doesn't drop off and there isn't another guy that is is battling to take his spot. And there's a lot of great uh, D tackles in this draft right now. And this is another reason why I like the Michael Bennett move, because it, ge- it gives you an opportunity, much like on the other side of the ball, with uh, more than likely Jason Peters coming back and Vitae being there, you can go up and draft another offensive tackle. You can go take a defensive tackle and let them just be a part of the rotation, get their feet wet. Maybe they're in there for 25 to 30 snaps of a a game, and it opens up the draft now at 32 and beyond. Uh, They didn't pick up any assets uh, doing this. In fact, they went backwards. So I still expect a, a lot of other different moves that are going to come here. You know, I mean, like, obviously, we have talked about Nick Foles to death. And when you are trading for a guy uh, like Michael Bennett, a lot of people are going to go, man, you have a, a, a royalty of riches here. You're looking at, you know, Vinnie Curry and his contract, although I still believe that they're they are talking about restructure rather than letting go. I, I really do think they want to keep all these guys together. What I will say, uh, moving on from that, is... Let's just let's just have this out 10 minutes into the pod. I was told long before that you uh, b- uh, before I even went to the combine that there was whispers and rumors that Brandon Graham was indeed available and on the block. Now, all of that might have changed with this one move and maybe they just decided we're going to go with this. We're going to hold on to Brandon Graham even though we might not pay him into next season. We still want to keep this core together and if the mission is we want the best football players to go win back-to-back titles, which is insanely hard, as we've talked about uh, now for uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, maybe this is this is where it comes comes into play, and you just go, okay, uh, we're we're still going to hold on here too. But uh, you know, Brandon Graham makes sense in some regard for one a, a place that is going to have a ton of different cap room. So maybe that's San Francisco, although that's not the same style of defense. Maybe that ends up being Tampa Bay. I know they have some cap room. Uh, maybe that ends up being, you know, a team that I'm not really thinking about that has cap room and space to kind of move all that stuff uh, around. But certainly Brandon Graham uh, may or may not be uh, kind of shifted on the block here. I thought that was kind of interesting. Then when I once I got down to the combine, I heard from some more scouts and coaches and things like that 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 is a possibility. So I hope that that is not what the direction of the Eagles are going. To me, it just makes more sense to have Brandon Graham and Michael Bennett be in there, and that's still an upgrade to me uh, in terms of having that you know secondary pass rusher come in if if that's filling in uh, for BG and Michael Bennett's going to take his spot uh, trying to get fresh legs. But again, when we're trying to look at assets and, and speaking of Seattle, this is kind of a, a little bit of a, of a map of kind of what to do and what not to do. And Howie Roseman certainly addressed this when he was down at the Combine, and I think it was even Jimmy Kemsky that had made an example of Seattle uh, although Howie was a little bit, uh, you know, gun shy to ask exactly who and what they were researching there, which is, you know, no GM is going to kind of give that away. But um, this is this is where you kind of look at, okay, Seattle missed so badly on their offensive line uh, that they kind of made the decision we can go find those guys in the draft, and they didn't, and they ended up paying Richard Sherman and Bobby Wagner and Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman, which isn't a, a, a bad way to to go and take it. I mean, for the most part, those are all uh, premium positions, although I would argue that the Eagles kind of still have that same philosophy of we're going to go pay CBs, we're going to go pay uh, both both sets of the, the trenches, and then after that we'll kind of see what happens. It certainly isn't in the safety position 
that they they definitely have valued, and I don't know what the new regime is going to do once you know you start talking about Malcolm Jenkins and the rest of those guys. We'll have to see where where that lies, but you would you would assume it has uh, some importance there. So Seattle kind of did that as well, except they just missed the mark uh, really badly on the offensive side of the ball. And as we're getting into draft season, they certainly have had, uh, you know, since Lynch has, has been gone, have tried to replace that production. I think they've been somewhat successful in that. But when you don't have the offensive line, that's when we get into those discussions about, okay, um, you know, can you take a guy like Saquon Barkley in the first round? Can you take a, a Leonard Fournette here? Can you take a McCaffrey, a Dalvin Cook, or whatever? In those cases, I think if Seattle were to have drafted that and at least counteract like your UDFAs, your fifth, your seventh round, and you can still find uh, you know, running backs pretty much everywhere. And I know that the, the dime a dozen thing kind of continues to happen, but in situations like those, if you can draft a guy that can create his own yards, much like Jay Ajayi in the fifth round or, or whatever, how you get him, that would probably would have helped Seattle more than you know having the 9 to 15 guys that they've tried to bring in and out of there. And, and in fact, um, they recouped so many picks from what they gave away you know, between like Percy Harvin and the rest of the folks that have gone in and out of there, but nothing really landed for them. They really went for a shot and took Jimmy Graham, and uh, up until the last two years, he hadn't been uh, much of uh, the same asset that he was in New Orleans, and certainly this year his goal line production is, has kind of shot way up here. So you're kind of seeing the same things now, except the difference is, and it's pretty crazy, like to me, with Michael Bennett being here, this is a, another set of a, of a shorter window because, one, we're going to be still questioning Wentz's his health and when he's going to come back and how is he the same guy, and that's going to last an entire offseason through training camp. And we're and trust me, I'll, do, I'll be just as guilty down there at training camp and OTAs. Uh, the knee looks pretty good. Uh, you know, he threw better yesterday than he did today. I don't see any movement. They, they ran a designed run for Carson Wentz. The knee looks good. We're all going to be wondering about that, but certainly his window – is now, uh, you know, in, in two different sets. He's got this squad that's going to be with him right now uh, where they're going to add on, and that's why it's been so important from this past season where uh, if you look at some of the edge classes and the cornerback classes, it is not as strong as it was uh, coming into this season. So the fact that they went and got Rizal Douglas and Sidney Jones to come in here to counteract, you know, hey, we can, we can afford to bring in Michael Bennett for a couple of years because those guys are going to be talented and cheap and good. They really need to do the same thing here. And I, I, I still think that's part of the offensive and defensive line and what they're going to go. I don't, I don't expect them to kind of uh, jolt away from that. And certainly I think they'll look at linebackers and things like that in the fourth and fifth round and you know a bunch of day three guys that they really want to put in there uh, and get together. So um, it's, been, uh, it's been a crazy just, you know, <laughs> couple of uh, 36 hours here as we're, we're going to go in and do this and not to bring it up again and, and, to, and to, you know, keep – bringing up Nick Foles' name, but that's the other part where you kind of look at this thing and it's like maybe that is a little bit too much of a, of a luxury to have a $7 million backup quarterback who certainly a Super Bowl MVP will be near and dear to my hearts even though I doubted everything that he could have possibly done on those two and a half games through the playoffs and we owe him everything. I owe him, uh, you know, my firstborn to, to erase this, this uh, Eagles, I guess, curse of, of finally getting a Super Bowl here, but... You know, if it, that's where the next decision is for me coming in, and really, if you want to uh, just move move it out, so it's hey, they can just get let go of any Curry, and he's not as important. 
Maybe, but uh, I don't know. I mean, there there are times when they did need Vinnie Curry, and certainly I was critical of him in 2016 with his contract. And if you're telling me if you have an opportunity to at least maybe he reduces his cap number a little bit, and then you can find assets and and good assets for Nick Foles, and we might have you know kind of a, a different theory on what those assets might be. Certainly for me, if it comes anywhere around the mark of uh, of two day two picks uh, or just a, a a first round pick or something like that. I think that's a, a an opportunity to move that seven million dollars off, get assets for it to come back in. And sure, there will be a large debate on what do they do now um, and kind of how the the rest of the QB market ends up fizzing out here. But uh, honestly, I, I I would I think I would rather go that route, especially with Michael Bennett here keeping the defensive line intact. Which again, I I understand wasn't. Uh, great during the Super Bowl, and I don't want to be kind of prisoner in the moment, but there were, you know, five, six, seven weeks where you are talking about just utter dominance to lesser opponents, obviously, but they still stood up against some pretty good offensive lines. And then just in the NFC East alone, if you really do think that, uh, for I think it's uh, Justice Mosqueda, who, who is hilarious, who I just saw on Twitter make this too. It just said, you're forcing the Giants to go draft a guard at two because. It, and and this is kind of a known fact too. The Eagles uh, don't want Saquon Barkley drafted by the Giants. I've, I've heard that many times. They don't want him to be there, and I understand why. He's a freak athlete. I think he's going to be a phenomenal running back. I don't know if he's a generational talent, but certainly a phenomenal running back. If you are forcing them now to kind of contemplate, God, Michael Bennett's there, and so is Vinnie Curry, and like this massive defensive line where, uh, and you know, again, Chris Long's still a free agent. Maybe, maybe that changes too. I mean, I, I assumed he was going to come back on a cheaper deal, and it certainly seemed like both parties wanted to do that. But now you are, you are scaring the rest of the NFC East to go, I don't know if we should take a running back. Maybe we should you know, deal with the trenches or whatever. Uh, and certainly with, with Washington's now situation that's, even though Alex Smith is there, is certainly up uh, in the air. I mean, that, that's a good situation uh, for them when you're looking at that. And then when you look at Dallas, who has already been a part of, you know, the best uh, the offensive line ever to stomp their feet on the, on the NFL grounds, and you have Ezekiel Elliott coming there probably with a chip on his shoulder, and those guys have something to prove against Super Bowl champions in their own division. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's important to keep reinvesting in that defensive line. So I would be – it would be great to me if – uh, the Giants did up going offensive line instead of skill player. And again, the ultimate price for me is if they pass on on Josh Rosen. I still think that he's uh, going to be one one really good quarterback. And if he's got time behind Eli Manning and there's no drama there, uh, I think that would be worse in the long term uh, for the Eagles franchise to go up and face against that. But certainly now, I even feel more comfortable if the Giants do want to go that way and just said, we're going to take Saquon and that's it. And uh, here's Michael Bennett to make you... Uh, uh, really regret that pick for two games in a row to go and do that. So uh, we will uh, certainly be taking uh, all your reactions throughout the week. And it's just been uh, uh, the, the gift keeps on giving, gang. That's that's at the end of the day why we're on here and why we're talking about all this stuff right now. I think it is uh, just an awesome feeling that they are again backing up their word and to you know, a lot of us for a, a ton of years, and that's through Chip, and that's through Andy, that's through uh, Tight and Ray Rhodes and Buddy Ryan and the different general managers that come through here and the certain owners that come through here that just blatantly lie to your face on what their objective and what their goal is. 
ever since Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman has reemerged and now Joe Douglas has been in the fold and Jeffrey Lurie, all of those things. And it's so funny to hear uh, because I was, one, I hope you guys got your, uh, your copy of the Super Bowl DVD, which has a lot of great bonus features and stuff on it. But like going even back... Uh, a little further to 2016 and hearing those press conferences about emotional intelligence and what Doug thought about this team and even some things about Jim Schwartz and what he was saying. Like, nobody has lied to us in two years about what they're doing here uh, and how he did it again in a short, uh, you know, three or four weeks. Hey, there it is, how he did it again. <laughs> I, I just, at, at this point, it's so weird because we looked at the Patriots for so long about uh, – you know, what, uh, they're the gold standard. And we all kind of laughed at, you know, Jeffrey Lurie when, when he said, we're the gold standard and the Steelers are, you know, winning back-to-back-to-back crazy Super Bowls and, and whatever was happening around here. And now that's all shifted. They are Super Bowl winners. Everybody's copying off of them. Um, people are giving away good talent to them. And now maybe we're in an era of Eagles football where it's just like, oh, man, why do, why do teams keep giving talent to the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's that's kind of where we're in. I'm excited about Michael Bennett being here. I know that there are some people that look at his personal life and go, Ugh, bleh, bleh, and I've heard that a couple of times uh, throughout this. Uh, t- my Twitter feed was saying the same things, like, oh, he's a real you know, POS, and uh, you know, I, I don't want that guy in the locker room and ruin it, and this is a good chemistry, and this is kind of like the, the farce of, and yes, it, just from a personal standpoint, what he did I, I thought was completely irresponsible, and there's no room for that ever. Uh, about lying the way he did, uh, based on the information that we have, I don't. I, you know, that's I, it's totally totally righteous to get upset about that. I, what I don't understand is uh, how that one person is going to destroy the locker room where he's a cancer or whatever. Talk to any of Bennett's teammates, and you know that's not true. And the same thing with Nigel Bradham and the way that he looked and was like, "Man, did this dude just really beat up a Cabana boy?" But in the locker room. They care about football. They care about each other. That's what's more important when it comes to a football standpoint. It's really not a lot of the outside noise. And certainly, if you're going to come into a locker room where you think you might have character issues or whatever gets overblown from that, the Garrett Blunt was kind of the same way in his career as well, and that turned out to be uh, completely not true. And you saw that this year with these group of guys where – you know, it, chemistry is important. It really is. But it's, I, I don't believe um, that Bennett has those character flaws inside uh, of a locker room. So this was always going to happen in a sense, whether this came from the draft or free agency, there's going to be new players in here. I mean, that's, it, it would be silly to think, excuse me, that there wouldn't be changes like this and additions to this. And it's going to be more or less, you know, again, not to keep going back to the Patriots and what we used to say about, it's funny to say used to say now though, uh, but what their philosophy always was on a lot of that, come here, play football, do your job, the rest will take care of itself. Uh, and I think that's been the Eagles philosophy for a while. Cause you know, I, I even had concerns about Jalen Mills when they, when they drafted him, and, and certainly um, it is hard to judge a lot of these guys when you don't know them personally and you're looking at the, the uh, you know, whatever the, the media or the news or anything else reports. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have an opinion on a lot of those stuff. And certainly it's popped into a lot of uh, people's heads, but um, I'm not worried about this particular locker room, you know, having being divided or anything like that, especially for what I think is going to be a short-term deal with Michael Bennett and somebody that can really help you and get in there. And, God, I just keep thinking about it. That NASCAR package is going to look ridiculous, uh, even if Curry and or Brandon Graham might be gone here. So uh, we'll leave it at that. It'll be nice, short, and sweet. I uh, want to thank everybody for 
saying uh, hello on the Facebook.com. And also, if you're listening on the replay, once again, if we get to 1,000 reviews, it is pizza party time. So on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you can find us there. You can find us on the Twitter.com at BGN underscore radio. Myself at John Barchard. And I appreciate everyone listening to episode number 304. Oh, my, oh, my, how he did it again. And we will uh, be talking to you soon right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com. We'll see you guys. Thank you.